What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Thank you so much for downloading this episode, and be sure to hit that subscribe button to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. Is your impact as a leader limited to those around you, or are you leading the charge to make an impact in your community? I believe that organizations have a responsibility to the communities that they live in and need to leverage their strengths to serve those around them. This is why I wanted to talk with Caitlin Harris-Lange, a dynamic community connector and writer focused on philanthropy, client management, and full-cycle recruiting. Caitlin leads as a recruiter for Scouts, where she reorients hiring around values and purpose. Caitlin also serves as vice president for the Greater Phoenix Urban League Young Professionals and is a philanthropist with the African-American Women's Giving and Empowerment Circle through the Arizona Community Foundation. Speaking about giving, did you know this month's People First partner, WorkSmart, is giving a free masterclass in the new year? WorkSmart is hosting a complimentary creative innovation masterclass for leaders in the corporate and nonprofit sectors, so more people can have access to the impact of bringing creativity to work. To learn more, click on the link in the show notes, and let's dive right into this episode. Hey, Caitlin, thanks for coming on the Leading People First podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on and talk about all the amazing things that you do. And before we jump into it, I want to make sure I ask you what I ask all of my guests. What does it mean to you to lead people first? Leading people first uh, to me. So I am an uh, executive recruiter, speak with uh, C-suite level people every day and, and, and people uh, not in the C-suite as well. But what it means to, to lead people first is, um, you know, often you hear about the the mission of the company and the vision and the goals and all of those things, but really at the heart of it, uh, kind of being there for for your people and and caring for them and um, having executing kind of your day to day responsibilities with that people lens first. Yeah, the the lens that you say uh, really focusing on people before you really focus on other things is really important. And I know that you have. You're not just an executive recruiter. You're very involved with your community. You're very involved with a number of um, social social entrepreneur uh, organizations and philanthropy. Ooh, I cannot spit it out today. Philanthropy <laughs> organizations. So I mean, you you dabble in a lot. So how did you learn to lead people first, and how did you get to do be doing all of these amazing things that you're doing? Yeah, it was a, a non-linear road, as, as uh, I think a lot of people often say, although you, you think your career is going to be a lot more linear when you're first starting out or when you're in school. Um, but I think how I got to the point of where I am today, it focused really not on leading at all, uh, but supporting other people who I viewed as leaders or who I saw them doing great work. I didn't think they were getting enough attention or support uh, from the community so focusing on how i could uh, give them a platform or lift them up or donate to their campaign nominate them for award but Mm -hmm. all of those little things of supporting other people the people who i really admired and thought that they were leaders and did not think of myself as a leader um, i think that really all came together and 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 put me in a different 
different headspace of what leadership means. Well, looking at what you do um, in supporting others, helping others succeed, uh, is the definition of Y Scouts, the organization that you work for, for leadership, right? I, uh, leadership is defined by Y Scouts as learning relentlessly, developing others, driving results. So, I mean, you develop others, you really focus on that. So I would say that, that that's a checkbox, right? You learn relentlessly. I mean, you go through everything that you share, everything that you uh, talk to people about, and you're constantly just learning and growing. So I would absolutely say you are a leader, even if you may not consider yourself one, you absolutely lift people up. Um, and so I know that one of the things you had shared before was a TED talk about shifting the conversations we have with kids between, you know, away from what do you want to be uh, when you grow up to what do you, what kind of person do you want to be when you grow up? So looking back at your career to date so far, are you the kind of person you wanted to be when you grew up? I'm in progress. I'm getting there. I think I've done more than I even thought I could uh, growing up. I think I had a limited kind of ceiling for myself and subscribed to that notion of, you know, initially, what do you want to do? Oh, you know, I'm pretty smart. I'll be a doctor. That's you get status, prestige, you care about people. And then when I, you know, got to college and uh, that didn't really fit with me anymore and I had to figure something else out and then continued to, to figure it out and evolve. Um, and I think when I moved from Wisconsin to I spent six months in Oakland uh, learning about social impact and different companies and startups and just the environment in Oakland is so much different from you know the city of 80,000 people that I grew up in, in in Wisconsin. So that that really opened everything for me. I interviewed for a job at Stanford. I didn't get it, but just the the interview at Stanford uh, opened the door too. So I think I never would have thought that I would even have some of those experiences. So now I, I am really happy with the progress that I have, uh, but I think big things are, are still on the horizon. So excited to uh, figure out how, how to get there. I'm sure you'll you'll get there just looking at the growth that you've had to date, looking at your career, everything you're doing. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, so mm -hmm. one of the things that I know you really care about is, is the impact that organizations and leaders have within their communities. So can you share more about how organizations can learn more about that impact that they're having because i th i think the first thing that comes to a lot of organizations minds and executives minds are oh well we're going to be bringing in jobs we're going to you know help grow the, the businesses that immediately surround our organization um, no matter how small they are or how, how big they are but there's a further impact to that so can you share more about just you know how how they can learn about that impact that they're going to have how organizations can learn about the impact that leaders have? Or uh, no, uh, how, how organizations can really truly understand the impact that they're gonna have in, the, in their community. Mm. Because it, it's beyond just job growth, right? That's the number that everyone likes to throw out there. Yeah. It's more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it's, it's prioritizing that. Um, and, you know, when you 
give that time. We have an example of a company here in Phoenix. They're called Master Electronics, or like a distribution company. Uh, but they brought it on somebody to focus on community engagement. You can tell that it's, uh, I think it's one of their core values that they advertise. And, you know, a lot of companies do put in their values. But once you do that, I would say put it in your values. Then you start allocating the time and letting people know that, that they have the support of the organization to take on these things. Um, then you could bring on somebody full-time, but even if you don't have the resources to bring on somebody full-time, I think it starts with finding out what people are already engaged in and sharing them out uh, and lifting them up. So, uh, you know, the organization that I work for, you know, here I'm on this, this leading people first podcast, uh, with somebody who's, who's very aligned to our mission and, and has this people first lens and, and my organization sharing that out and, and other things that we're doing too, but um, I would say the organization being realizing, right, people first, again, realizing that people have all of these other things that they care about and they're involved in and then finding ways to, to support that and embrace it and provide a platform to, to elevate what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. What, what are some of the community work or what is some of the community work that you're doing currently in Phoenix? So I am a member of a, a giving circle. Uh, giving circle is a model of, you know, across the U.S. There's different giving circles, but the members uh, contribute. A, usually it's a set amount yearly or monthly. Um, and then we pool our money together and we give out grants collectively to issues that our group uh, cares about. So uh, the, some of the groups here are affinity groups. We have a Black Women's Giving Circle, Black Men's, Latina Giving Circle. Um, I'm in the Black Women's Giving Circle. Um, so we've given out like, over since I've, I think I've been in there three and a half years, maybe now we've given out over $60,000 yeah. um, to nonprofits in the community. Uh, and then also we have an organization called the Greater Phoenix Urban League Young Professionals. We're part of a national network as well. Um, and I currently serve as the vice president for them. That's awesome. I know that the giving circle, uh, you recently or the group recently gave out a large amount of money right earlier this year um, when people were first learning about the business impact or the economical impact on COVID, correct? Like it was a pretty big donation. Yeah, I believe that was 40,000. So we did that in partnership with uh, three, two or three other giving circles and we're all under our community foundation here in Arizona. Um, so we pooled our, our money to make a larger uh, deposit into different nonprofits who were, one uh, was to expand COVID testing. It was a health center. One was um, to offer training to uh, black businesses on how to reopen safely and, and uh, provide PPE. Um, and then one was to provide food, food boxes uh, to community members in need as well. That's incredible. There's a lot of work that can be done. I know for myself, when I led some employee experience and like culture or uh, groups within my organizations, that was where I personally like was not uh, as in tune with the, my direct community because where I worked was, you know, an hour, hour and a half away from where I lived. So how do individuals in organizations, especially the leaders in those organizations, what are some of the very first steps that they can take to really find out what, how they can, uh, you know, 
volunteer or donate more time or money into those immediate uh, communities? Yeah, I'd say there's a lots of avenues. I think when you have people in, involved with certain organizations, that's a great way to start. Um, and, you know, with COVID, everything is different too, because you say, you know, invite them into your space or, or yeah. go, there's, there's no shortage of community uh, nonprofit uh, or events uh, usually happening but, happening, but this year is definitely different. So I guess I would start as an organization to think about kind of what you what you have to, to offer the community, whether that's that's money or some sort of training like at, at Y Scouts, we do executive recruiting. So a number of us kind of reached out to our networks and broadcast, hey, we're, we'll look over anything, we'll have conversations, we'll look over resumes, anybody who's who's out of work right now or looking for something new, please reach out. Um, so that's something that that we all did as as recruiters, um, and, and that's kind of using our skill set that we have at work. I'd start there. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to start, right? Is what does your organization do? What are your core functions as an organization? What are the services products that you have for your clients, and then offer those to your community, right? I mean, those are very, those are your core competencies as an organization. So why not help those around you uh, with those with those resources? So it's a great Yeah, I'd add one other, one other thing too, is we are seeing that expand just with everything going on with social justice, right? There are like Ben and Jerry sells ice cream, but they are deeply involved in social justice. So you wouldn't think that just looking at their products or services that that would be a fit for them. But I'm inspired that so many organizations are saying, you know, these are just basic uh, tenants of the world that we want to live in and, and we're going to support equity uh, where we can, because it's our responsibility as a, as a business. Um, so that is, that's very motivating to see people look outside of that as well. Yeah. I mean, the, that's one of the benefits of the black lives matters uh, movement this year is that a lot uh, a lot more eyes have been opened and a lot more hearts have been opened to be more empathetic and truly listen to understand what social injustices are occurring. And so how do you think then from from that standpoint, leaders can become even more attuned to what is happening around them? especially with things that are social justice issues like the Black Lives Matters movement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hard for me to answer because uh, being somebody who's usually like one of uh, the only or one of few um, minorities in an organization, it, I, you, you go through this like, yeah, I want to help on this because it's something I'm passionate about. And then also like, I don't want to be the one to have to uh, shepherd everybody to this this awakening because uh, it's a, it can be exhausting right uh, when you live this every day um, so I'd say even in, in hiring uh, I would I was gonna say this but I don't agree with it because everybody always talks about data and it's like we already have all of this data like yeah but I hate starting there because you know it's already and maybe that's just for me that there's this, this apparent problem, but for some people, maybe they do need to start with the data. Um, but I think it, it's just, it would be a consciousness around for us, you know, what, 
what do our candidates look like and are there definitely groups that we're missing in here like what and and just starting there um but we have to actually put some things on paper or nothing nothing will happen yeah i mean you gotta start somewhere right and and most organizations are all about data and roi right and so if you can speak their language you know so to say by starting with something that they're familiar with even though if you and i might not like starting there because people are not data points right it, it, mm -hmm. data comes from people but that does not show who they truly are i mean so so it, it's about kind of finding that medium to help communicate in a way that they understand so yeah i think that I, I would agree with you. I don't like starting there either, but I know that that's where I usually have to start when I have these kind of types of conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, so much of it is on a, it's an interesting in the recruiting space too, because, you know, I, because I am a person of color, I always uh, think about diversity and I personally like care about how diverse my candidates are. And I track those numbers on my own. Um, but but there are organizations that set up whole roles to focus on uh, diversity. So it's like you wish that everybody in this role for hiring would would just have that lens and um, operate in that way. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Make things a lot easier. So going, uh, you know, since we're talking about executive recruiting, I, I did want to go back to a comment that you had made earlier on how we can help organizations and hiring managers see the people behind the resume. So how do we do that? Or how do you do that? I should say, help hiring managers get past the sheet of paper that's in front of them. I think that the, the part that makes it easier for us than most is that we are, we are not hiring at scale, you know, 20, customer service representatives or something like that. So we we are hiring a chief operating officer or director of marketing or a CEO, and it allows us to not build in all of these things that somebody needs to have so we can keep it pretty open. Like we have very few proxies or requirements at all that maybe somebody needs public company experience or maybe somebody needs a JD, but usually it's pretty open. Um, and we have the, because we're this buffer in between the hiring company, we have time to have a conversation with somebody, not just look at, look at their LinkedIn, um, but then to have a conversation, find out everything that's not in their LinkedIn. Cause most people really aren't that great about updating their LinkedIn or including, yeah. uh, you know, exhaustive lists of, of all that they've, they've done. So we have this opportunity to then draw more information from them. And then the story that we tell to the organization or the, the, the data that we, that we provide them is so much more comprehensive than just here's a, a resume with, with some, some words on paper. Um, so we're able to provide a, a fuller picture of, of the human, of their experiences, of their motivation, why they're interested, why they're open to something new. It's just, it's just so much more context than you get from somebody applying to a job. Yeah. What are some of the skills that you see organizations starting to look for in leaders that leaders may not currently have? 
I don't know that I have too many examples of them looking for something that people don't have. I think it would be a case by case, like, oh, I wish they had experience with this software platform or something like that. But uh, at Scouts, you mentioned in the beginning, this, this leadership model to focus on drives results, develops others, learns relentlessly. When we can point to examples of somebody doing all of those things, maybe if it's not even in the same industry, it usually could supersede kind of what some element that's a nice to have, um, or maybe it was a requirement and then they get more flexible on it uh, because we show kind of their potential and their ability to and willingness to and evidence that they've done it before learn and, and get things done and and be a, a positive force within an organization yeah it having that that flexibility is something that i wish more hiring managers especially further down in organizations had um, because again if you have those three qualities at least in my mind, right, where you're learning, you're developing others, and you're driving results. I mean, if you can, if you have those skills and a proven track record to do those things, like why would, why would you not hire those types of people, right? Even if they're coming from a different industry, or they may not have the exact number of, uh, you know, years of experience, or maybe they're missing one skill or two skills that you might need for this role, right? I mean, I, I think that that's something that we need to start applying that to lower level positions, not just the executive C-suite positions. And I think organizations, sometimes the leaders have to make a choice. Like, yes, I would prefer that they have A, B, and C so they can hit the ground running and start right away. Um, but if they don't, uh, people could see it as, you know, it'd take them six months to get up and running. But if we, there's always a chance that you could spend the next six months still trying to find that, that person who, who has everything and who's, um, I, one thing does come to mind that you said people are looking for. A lot of times when you start conversations with a client, they're saying, I want somebody who's, who's been where we're going or who's already done this and then wants to come do it here. Um, but with often with leaders, you know, if somebody who's, has already done something, they might be looking for the next challenge. Uh, so I definitely take the opportunity to find people with potential who are close and on the cusp and, and provide that endorsement and support of, of their candidacy uh, to move forward. Yeah, that's something that, um, I think we need to figure out a way to measure better to showcase organizations is like this potential element. Um, because I think that a lot of organizations are missing out on really amazing people and they could really shorten their searches if they just looked at the potential and grit of individuals rather than what they've done, you know, just what they've done in the past. So. And I think the environment we're in now, right? Everybody has had to, to flex and be agile and is doing things they haven't done before. And, you know, some things are going better than others, but I think collectively we're all uh, we're all managing, and and hopefully there's some more creativity and flexibility that comes out of, yeah. of what's going on right now. Totally. Well, having this right people first mindset as as I'm focused on, uh, I know that's something that you're also involved with. Our or you have knowledge and and some work in our B corps and, and the B. Uh, the B Corp certifications, right? So even as organizations, even if they don't qualify for that certification, 
I mean, what are some of the gaps that you're seeing organizations not being able to have to get that certification? Because there's a list of requirements that they need to hit. So what are the mo like bigger ones or most common ones that you see? I think one is just getting started. It's having the having the time uh, and, and you know, we never have time for anything because we're all like, <laughs> trying to be as busy as possible all the time. And it makes us uh, sound, you know, more productive when we say we're busy. But uh, it's just take it's it's, you know, a lot of time to, to go through all of those things and look at your policies and your compensation and your the transparency and your financials and who you're doing business with your vendors. So it's you're going through your business piece by piece, but I would say, you know, the investment, it will lead to a better business. Uh, we'll let you, it's, it's just kind of like, um, maybe you do it at the new year, but whenever you like go through your closets and organize or purge things, it, it's, you feel, you feel better. So when you go through your, your business and, um, look at all these things, you'll find opportunities that, that you'd forgotten about or didn't know were there. And you're, from the hiring perspective, you're becoming uh, much more uh, attractive uh, as an employer. You're joining the ranks of Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's, I mentioned. Um, and we're just, uh, Scouts is a 12-person company. Uh, so I think if we can do it, uh, and our, our CEO was very committed to, to being a B Corp, um, so it takes that leadership at the top, uh, but just to, to just get it done. And I guarantee there will be people who come onto the team who will be excited to, to carry that forward and complete the certifications moving on because it's a great learning experience. So what do you have to say then as you're, you're sharing some of the organizations that are B Corporations, right? these organizations that do amazing work that really do think about the social and environmental impact that they have like Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's. What do you, what is your response then to people who say, well, like, Oh, well, those are just liberal agendas or like, that's just a liberal thing to like think about, or those are liberal com like companies and I don't want to support them. Yeah, I would say they, you know, the biggest companies always get the get the most recognition just because they have so much brand awareness and it's like, look, they're doing it. You should. Um, but there are there are there are solopreneurs who are members of the, the B Corp community and there are all these local B Corp chapters. It's taking off in Europe and in, it's a global movement now as well. Um, so I'd say there are, are lots of, organ there's a organization called Rhino Foods that does like, I think they make, make foods and distribute them, but very, I would, I wouldn't describe it as a, as like a liberal kind of ex expensive clothing or expensive uh, provider of, of goods, but um, they're doing fantastic things for their workers and providing them access to loans and um, really thinking outside of the box. So it is a, I, I'd say it's a community that, that represents uh, red and blue and uh, a lot of the, the diversity in, in America. It's about taking care of people, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's about thinking, again, thinking about your employees and how you can support them and making sure that they have their basic needs taken care of and then helping them develop and grow, right? So it's something and that... I think a lot of organizations really need to look into. And it's a lot of companies have those ideals, uh, but this is actually putting the line in the sand and holding yourself to meeting that. And then once you meet it, you know, how can you continue to, to do better? Uh, so it's just like 
like goal setting, once you write it on paper, for some reason, it, it takes on a life of its own. And, and I think you have a higher chance of, of hitting that goal I have in my, my own personal life than um, if it stays as an idea and, and I don't commit to it or write it down. So what goals then had, did you have for yourself earlier this year or maybe last year that you've hit recently? So last year, um, I know, I was just looking at some that I wrote like a quarter yeah. ago. I'm like, oh, I did some of these. Um, but I dragged out completing a, a graduate degree to the max time. I think six years, maybe I had seven before my credits were going to start fading away. Um, so I completed that in May. That was a big, because I was always working. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I don't want to finish this thesis. So I, I finished that. That was a big thing. Um, and then a promotion that I had at Y Scouts to take on more of our client engagement um, and Excel here. That was another thing on my list. And then with the Urban League, I didn't have this as a, oh, well, I guess I'll go with writing. I, well, I write on Medium and I've had some goals for, for writing uh, articles uh, on different things uh, that I've accomplished as well. Well, congrats on the degree. Congrats on, on hitting those goals. It's really important for leaders to really improve themselves, right? I mean, I think that that's some, one of the things that um, a lot of managers don't do. They expect their, uh, their teams to grow, but then they don't do it themselves. And because they're not doing it, it themselves, they're not actually prioritizing learning with their, with their employees. So um, props to you. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So with what you've done and what you've noticed so far this year, especially in the community and in the workplace, we've seen a huge shift in expectations that organizations have of their teams, right? And that's something that um, you and I talked about right before we jumped into it. So can you share more about what dynamics are at play and what we need to be on the lookout for in the next year as the pandemic hopefully starts waning? <laughs> yeah. I'd say in, in the U.S. we have this very consuming work culture uh, historically where, you know, it's work more hours. If you work more than 40 hours, like you're doing something important or you can feel, um, and yeah. Uh, don't have the best uh, time off policies typically. Um, so I've, I've noticed kind of with everything going on in the pandemic, there is a, uh, although we've gained some some flexibility with, with uh, working from home, there's also been increased pressure on uh, higher productivity, doing more with less. Um, there have been cuts to, to 401ks or pay, um, and then there's this underlying notion, you know, I think that we have as individuals, myself, I certainly do, like, just be, just be happy that you have a job, right? Um, so as we move into the new year, I think there'll be an interesting dynamic between companies still demanding more from people, 
um, and people starting to ask for more in terms of, you know, previously people would say, oh, I'd love to work from home one day a week. Now people only want to go in the office like two days a week. So to yeah. like work from home three to four days a week. Um, and they're at, they're asking for that. When I speak with people on the phone, they're like, is, is it remote? Is it flexible? That's really important to me. And even people who didn't think that was important before. Um, so I think there'll be this like push and pull from both sides of, of trying to get to a better, better balance uh, or better give and take in, in terms of our work and our lives. Yeah, that that's uh, something that organizations really need to think about. Um, and that's really wise. And I actually wanted to share something from, uh, I reached out to some of your, uh, the people that you work with to see what they say about, have said about you. And Deborah Shaw has said that Caitlin is wise beyond her years. She is one of the most authentic people I know and has a killer sense of humor at Y Scouts. Caitlin has a unique ability to connect with candidates and clients to truly understand their needs and motivation. Also, she is one of the best writers on our team. She's pretty much 100% badass. <laughs> Thanks, Deborah. That's nice. And if you can see me, I'm blushing. Well, you can see me. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that the insights that you you've shared so far. I mean, yes, there there's uh, you're clearly very forward thinking and trying to really think about the the greater impact and the greater things that are coming down the line or or just around us. So there's a lot that leaders really need to think about. How how do you think then? You know, or not organizations, but leaders can become more aware of what is going on around them? How do they increase that self-awareness? Mm. That's good. I think in the, like my day to day, it's just, and we, and we were speaking about one of your earlier guests, uh, Vaughn earlier, but she has this, this great ability to, to add this conversational element and this human connection in all of her communications and email and phone um, and the conversations that um, I'm having with people, it's creating time to just have that more of that connection, you know, without an agenda. Um, I think I get better insight on, on how people are feeling, how they're doing and asking, you know, better questions sometimes, leading with vulnerability, I would say. Um, sharing instead of, I do love talking about the weather as an intro. I don't know why, because when I talk to people in other states, it's just nice to hear what their weather's like. But um, sometimes going beyond that, and when I talk about life events, uh, like uh, expecting a, a baby that's on the way, or getting engaged, or, or having a bunch of house projects to do, uh, it just you connect in a different way, and then the, the conversation is goes um, it's just more more human centered more it leaves you with a, a fuzzy feeling afterwards too because you feel like you actually did have some some social interaction whether it's just on zoom or even just on the phone um so i would say i would say those are some easy ways to start yeah connecting with others is is a very i it's easy and it's also you know the basic like number one thing i think you need to do as a leader, right, is you need to connect with those around you. You need to have conversations that are not about work because you, again, if you think about that people first mindset, you need to understand what is going on behind who they are as a person at work, right? You need to understand what are the other factors and things that are influencing them 
you know, what, what are the things that are influencing their mindset, their emotional state, right? Like, you know, so it's really important to really think about all of those things and the way that you can find out what those things are is by having connections and conversations with those around you. So that's really I've, I've worked for leaders before who, when we were in the traditional office environment, you know, walked around the office and only said hello to the leadership team. I was like, how disheartening is that to the rest of the team uh, when you don't warrant a, a hello or, or any type of, of conversation? Um, so I think it really is that that simple to to not um, to not put those those tiers in of, of the hierarchy in an organization to, and then only reach out to people who kind of fit in fit um, fit in at your level, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. it like you said, it, it creates this hierarchy, but it also creates this maybe f false sense of superiority, right? Because if you have a leader that just walks by your desk and doesn't even say hi to you or even like make eye contact, then all of a sudden as an employee, at least for me, I would be like, oh, they think I'm, they're better than me or like, or even worse that I'm not worth their time. I mean, one of my favorite things to do in my last organizations, uh, was every time I went to a different office, um, because I had to travel quite a bit, I would go around the, you know, every morning and go say hi to every single person. Granted, you know, it's not, if it's not a hundred person office, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, just going around saying, Hey, how's it going? What's new? Like, what can I do to help? Like any, anything that I should know about and not saying that to boost myself up, but that allowed me to understand what was happening on the floor of those offices and those organizations because then I could bring up issues that managers may not had heard of before. So it's a great way to, again, not only connect, but also to just like figure out, are there any issues that you might not be aware of? Yeah, and it's a way to grow personally because I think sometimes we don't say that hello or we don't give that compliment because we're uncomfortable or about it. And yeah. sometimes we need to push ourselves out to you know, have those random conversations in the elevator or I'm trying to think of what the virtual, I guess just walking, walking down this, the street now at a distance. Uh, but that'll be interesting too, to see like now that, that people are so used to um, keeping it, not wanting to, to get into a space with people yeah. for safety reasons and how we'll, we'll acclimate back or how we'll build in different opportunities for engagement that still um, keep people safe. <laughs> I just had this image in my head pop up of like, you know, if you and me were in an office, like on opposite sides of the office, just from a social distancing aspect, like we had signs to hold up, like Wile E. Coyote from, you know, um, Looney Tunes that had like, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just where my brain went. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what is the impact that you want to have in what you do? I would say the impact that I'm looking to leave is just uh, like what we were talking about with the opportunity that we have and the work that we do is uh, provide more space for people to kind of bring bring what they have and, and not fit into this box. Uh, wherever I can remove barriers that are, are keeping keeping people out because honestly it takes it takes one connection in your network 
to to get a job and you could have nothing on the list right the, but people would throw would throw all that out if, if you come with a referral or they know you um, so where wherever I can give those same advantages to, to other people and remove uh, those barriers in hiring um, and other opportunities is is what I'm passionate about all about that equity I love it <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that actually dovetails into another piece of feedback that I got or piece of praise that I got uh -oh. from Paige Larson, <laughs> who, said, who said, I cannot say enough great things about Caitlin. She is by far one of the greatest leaders I've ever encountered in my career. She leads by example. She inspires others and promotes and sees through positive change. Any organization would be privileged to add Caitlin to their team. I do not doubt that she will make a profound impact on your organization. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no that means a lot um, yeah you you're definitely making an impact where wherever you step and I mean you have so, again you have such a far reach because you're not just doing your work in recruiting but you're so involved with the community and, and those around you so you have there there is a lot that you're doing and you're you're making a lot of great change so thanks <laughs> thank you Chris um I you know you are as well. I'm glad that, you know, this is, is a calling for you, uh, leading people first. And I'm excited on, on what we all can build that's different and really focuses on people. And, you know, we're not just putting our heads down anymore and, and going through these, uh, these mundane, like robotic um, <laughs> movements, but now, yeah. you know, really wanting to to connect as humans and our workplaces to recognize us as humans. So that yes. that's exciting. Absolutely. Before we sign off, where can people connect with you? I am pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, also active on uh, Twitter and media. Awesome. Well, I'll share all of those links below in the show notes as always. And Caitlin, thank you again so much for coming on the Leading People First podcast. This was an absolute blast to, uh, getting to talk with you. Thank you, Chris. Great getting to spend time with you uh, as well and look forward to, to seeing some of your, your other episodes. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Leading People First podcast with Caitlin Harris-Lange. I hope Caitlin inspired you to think beyond your impact that you have from just your team and think about how you can lead your organization to impact the community around you. I also loved Caitlin's approach to recruiting and think it's a refreshing and necessary take on how we need to look past that piece of paper that represents human beings. If you wanna connect with Caitlin, I've linked all of her information down below in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe and share it with someone who needs to hear Caitlin's message. Keep leading people first and stay awesome. Real quick before you go, I wanted to ask to see if you are a people first leader looking for ways to help your team feel connected while working apart. And if you're ready to disrupt traditional training methods with creativity in play, this episode's people first partner work smart has solutions for you with their hands on virtual experiences using creativity and play. Team development and leadership training is never boring, always inclusive and highly engaging. Be sure to visit WorkSmart's website under We're Virtual to bring a program to your organization. That's WorkSmartAdvantage.com. 
And don't forget to sign up for their complimentary creative innovation masterclass that's happening in January. Again, that's worksmartadvantage.com. Thank you again and stay awesome.